0: Thanks for joining us for a Sunday worship gathering. Today we're in a message series titled Forgotten God, and we're learning about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's prepare our hearts for what God has for us today, and please give a warm welcome to our lead pastor, Bob Schwan. Awesome, as always. Great to see everyone. Beautiful day out there. So glad you're here with us. And as Brandon mentioned earlier, this is actually our last week in this sermon series that we're calling Forgotten God. And what we've been trying to do is try to understand what is it that God really wants us to understand about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit And here's kind of been our thesis across the board is that God sends his divine, empowering presence into our lives. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, sends him into our lives to indwell us because he wants to do something in us, but he also wants to do something through us. And here's what we've been saying all along as well. Is this life that he's calling us into, this life of change that we just sang about? This change is about us becoming more like Jesus. More like Jesus than we are today because friends, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus that we follow so closely in the footsteps of the rabbi that we actually become like him. Our character starts to reflect his character. The kinds of things that Jesus did in his life and ministry becomes the kind of things that we do in our life and ministry But here's the thing, becoming like Jesus, it's as daunting as it sounds. And here's what we've been saying all along, is that kind of life, the kind of life that Jesus lived, it's not difficult to live. That kind of life is actually impossible. And the only way any of us are ever going to have a chance of living that kind of life is not if we figure something out, if we work really hard, if we gut it out, But the only way that we're ever gonna live that kind of life is is if we actually let Jesus live his life through us in the power of the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit of God living in us and our response to him in our life that actually brings about that kind of change in our life. There's a scripture we've been looking at throughout this series as well from 2 Corinthians chapter three and I wanna take us back there again. Starting in verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Continues, and we all, every one of us, everyone that names the name of Christ, everyone who's bowed their knee to him, has the Spirit living in them. And we all, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, what's the promise? We all— Our being transformed into his image, meaning the image of Christ, with ever-increasing glory. Moment by moment, day by day, as we surrender to this power of the Spirit that lives within us, we become more and more like him, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And this transformation we've been talking about, again, it's an inside-out transformation that God does in us. It's not something that comes from the outside where we try to just work really hard to live a moral life, that there's going to be some kind of behavior modification in my life that I'm going to adhere to, and that's what's going to bring about the transformation. It's God in us, the presence of God living in us that brings about that change and helps us to become more like Jesus. But it's not just about our character, friends. I've said it multiple times. It's also about doing the kinds of things that Jesus did. Jesus calls us to be like him, but he calls us to be like him in his ministry as well. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, he made it really, really clear that the reason he came, he had a a redemptive mission in mind. As he talked about his purpose for coming, he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost things that were separated from God, people that were separated from God. He wanted to bring them back into a relationship with him, this redemptive mission. But here's the challenging and exciting part is that in God's sovereignty, he said, I'm gonna use you to accomplish that. You are gonna be my agents of this mission. You are gonna be my representatives You're going to represent the king to the world. You're going to be my spokespeople. You're going to speak for me in this world. And there's a word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 5 that I just love. He says that we are his ambassadors. This idea that we serve a foreign king, a foreign dignitary that lives in a place that is our home. God lives in a place that is our home, and we represent him here on this earth, a place that isn't our home. We are his ambassadors. We represent him to the world. And I love that song that Brandon and the band sang. We have been changed to bring change. It's about that purpose. Something is happening in us as a result of the Spirit's work, but it's so that that God can do something through us. He says, here's the baton. You're gonna be my representatives in this world. But here's what he also wants us to know. Don't, he would say, absolutely, don't think under any circumstances that you can accomplish this mission in your strength, in your own power. I want you to think about it like this. Think about this drill that's right here. This, a makita, Great brand, perfectly good drill. This has everything in it to accomplish the purposes that it was made for. Absolutely able to do that, to fulfill its purpose. Watch what this baby can do. not that amazing? Look at that baby, look what it can do. Now you're out there and you're just saying, okay, that is so stupid. (laughs) That drill needs power. And I would say, absolutely. You are absolutely right. You plug in the power. What happens? Now we're cooking with fire, huh? Look at that. That's the picture of what Jesus would want us to understand. When we try to do his work apart from his power, It's like us grabbing a drill bit and just trying to do it with our hands. It's not going to, you've got to have my power. You've got to be drawing on me and my power. And this is how Jesus said it. One of the last things that he said to his disciples, giving them what they needed to know, Luke 24, he says this, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then he says, We've got a part to play. He says, You are witnesses of these things. And then he makes a promise. He says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. And that promise that he's talking about there is his Holy Spirit. I'm gonna send my divine empowering presence to live in you. But then he says, but, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here's what he wants us to understand, that we have to understand if we're gonna be a part of what he wants us to do in the world. He says, you've gotta clothe yourself with power. You gotta, you know, just think about parents when their kids are leaving and it's cold outside, you know, get some clothes on. Put a coat on. It's like Jesus said, you've got to have a cloak of power around you. And that power is the Holy Spirit. You've got to put him on. Trust in him. Otherwise, it's like we're just going out naked to do ministry. We don't have to be Christian streakers out there accomplishing God's purposes. It's about clothing ourselves in power. And then we see in the book of Acts, the very beginning of the book of Acts, following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, this promise that Jesus made is fulfilled. The church, this missional force, the church, is inaugurated. And this mission of the church is launched. And friends, that's what the book of Acts is about. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts. And you might know this, you might not that the reason we call it the book of Acts is that's short for the Acts of the Apostles, meaning these are the things that the apostles did following the life and ministry of Jesus. But I think a better name than Acts of the Apostles would be to call this book the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because if you watch the book of Acts, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in men and women and what he did in them that produced the mission that we see in the book of Acts. And it starts out, Acts chapter one. We're gonna do a little bit of a survey of the book of Acts today. But here's what the promise happens in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus makes it really clear. When my presence, my Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, you're gonna be my witnesses. What is a witness? What is a witness? Simply a witness is someone stands before people, raises their right hand and says, this is what I've seen. This is what I saw. This is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what happened to me. It doesn't mean that we're obnoxious. It doesn't mean that we're judgmental. It just means that we're telling people, this is what has happened to me. We're his witnesses of what he does in our life. And then we see this promise from Acts chapter 1 poured out in Acts chapter 2. God's spirit pours out from heaven and dwells the lives of people and all heaven breaks loose. It's unbelievable what we see. The church is launched, the spirit empowered movement of God is launched. And that's what we get to watch throughout the book of Acts. What is a movement? When I say spirit-empowered movement, what is a movement? It's kind of become a little bit of a buzzword in our culture. Everybody wants to be a movement. Everybody wants to be a part of a movement. But what does it take to be a movement? I want us to look at just a simple definition of a movement. And it's this. It's any groundswell of people. Just any group of people. It can be small. It can be large. You can have a really small group of people. And have a movement. Or you can have a really large group of people. And not have a movement. But here's the thing that has to be true. If it's going to be a movement. It's an in groundswell of people. But they're deeply committed to a cause. Deeply committed to the same cause. They're sold out. They're all in. They're at a place in their life where they're saying. This matters. And this matters so much. That I am willing to reorient my life around this cause and this call in my life. That has to be true for there to be a movement. But you can have people, a groundswell of people, a group of people that are passionate about something, committed to it, but still not have a movement. For there to be a movement, there's gotta be a last ingredient that are significantly affecting their environment. There's got to be change that is happening. They're bringing change to the world around them. And when I think about this movement of God, this movement of God that was launched, or any movement, two things are true about it. It's magnetic. It's magnetic in that it draws people in. People see what's happening inside the context of the movement and they say, I wanna be a part of that. That is worth giving my life to. But it's not just drawing people in, it's magnetic, but it's also expansive. It goes beyond just that group of people. They continue to invite other people people in now i want to show you a quick video and it might be just a little bit silly but i think it'll give us a little bit of a picture of what is it that we're talking about when we're talking about a movement let's watch the screen Woo-hoo, fear you're going to have that song stuck in your head all day long that's just fun a picture of a movement what do you see there that was a part of a movement you see it started small it was just two guys in an apartment room and a soccer ball the soccer ball goes out the window starts rolling down the street and the excitement around the soccer ball and let's be honest soccer balls don't matter In the big picture of life, the excitement around the soccer ball starts to pull people in. It becomes magnetic. People say, I want to be a part of that. And it continues to grow. It's that picture that Jesus talked about. Starting small. It can start with a small groundswell of people. It can start with you and a friend. It can start with a mustard seed. It can be small. But it's invitational. It invites people in because people want to be a part of it. It's magnetic and it's expansive. But here's also what's true of a movement is it takes time. It takes time to build a movement because people don't instantly reorient their lives around something, but we continue to invite people in. A movement, the ball continues to bounce, people continue to, more people continue to come. And there's a goal at the end, I love that poor guy that there's just a whole mob of people coming at him. But there was a goal that they had in mind. We're getting the soccer ball in the goal. Well, Jesus has a greater goal for all of us in mind, the redemption of the world. He wants to give every person on this planet an opportunity to say yes to a relationship with him. And he invites us to be a part of that with him. He started a movement. The beginning of the book of Acts is the start of a movement And that's what we get to see, this magnetic and expansive movement. In Acts chapter 2, we see that after the Holy Spirit empowers people, Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon. And here's the result of that sermon. Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I'm guessing that was a pretty good sermon. God was at work. This 120 people that started in Jerusalem now has become 3,120 people, a movement of God. Now, they could have said, Hey, we've got a megachurch. Let's just build into these 3,000 that we have right here. But that's not what God was building. He was building a movement. It didn't stop there. The movement grows, the movement expands. Acts 5, chapter 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the lord and they were added to their number the mustard seed continued to grow the soccer ball continued to bounce more and more people were invited in as time went on but as with any movement as it starts to grow oftentimes there's there's opposition because not everybody in the world wants to change And there's absolute opposition to this mission that Jesus is calling us into. There's opposition in our own heart to want to reorient our lives around something else. There's a world system out there that wants to push back against the things of God. And there is a very real enemy. We call him Satan and all of his minions that want to keep this from happening in your life and in mine. There's opposition. And that's what they began to experience. Acts chapter 5 Verses 41 and 42, it says the apostles left the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers of that time, because they got in trouble by the Sanhedrin. They got sent to the principal's office. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. But here's what their response was. Day after day, in the temple courts, big venues, and from house to house, across the kitchen table, They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. They never stopped. Even in the face of opposition, they pushed through. And they even rejoiced. They thought, this is awesome. The same kind of opposition that Jesus experienced, we're experiencing. We're living a life like his. And that matters. But then it gets tough. It gets really, really tough for them. Because this little bit of opposition that they started experiencing gave way to all out persecution. All out persecution. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This opposition that was the religious leaders saying, hey, shut your mouths. We've heard enough. Has gotten to the place where they're picking up rocks they're throwing them at people and they're killing them. Stephen is killed. Stephen is martyred for his faith. Complete persecution. And they're saying, everybody, go home now. Game over, right? That's the end of it. Not exactly. The police came and said the party's over, everyone out of the pool, time to go home. But what happens? These people do go home. They do exactly what they're told to do. But here's what happens in verse four. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And where was it that Luke says that they went? They went to Judea and Samaria. Does that sound like the promise that we heard at the very beginning of Acts chapter one? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, and then it's going to go to Judea and Samaria and ultimately to the end of the earth. Why did God know that they were going to take the message with them? Because they were a movement. They were a movement empowered by the Holy Spirit. They had something in them that they had to get out. It didn't matter where they were going to go. They were going to take the gospel and the good news of Jesus with them. Nobody could stamp out this movement of God. When I think about this picture, I think about when I was younger. I was probably in about third or fourth grade. It was around the 4th of July because I had firecrackers. And I was doing exactly what every kid is not supposed to do. So if you're under the age of 15 in here, close your ears right now. You know, I'm lighting firecrackers in my hand and throwing them. But you know, you, you want to hold them as long as you can because you want them to be in the air when they go off. Well, I'm doing this, boom, boom. Well, one, I just misjudged and I threw it and it landed in the grass. I, I'm throwing this in like dry grass in Eastern Montana. How dumb can I be? But all of a sudden I notice there's a little puff of smoke over there and I see this little flame start to burn And so I'm panicking. You know, I'm already thinking about what my dad's going to say. So I run over there and as quickly as I could, I stamped on that piece of fire. Knowing that that is just going to stamp it out. And you know in your mind already exactly what happened, don't you? It just went boom. And it just shot flame and spark everywhere. And pretty soon it was all around me. This is the picture that we're seeing in Acts chapter 8. The religious leaders... The world around them is doing everything they can to stamp it out. But this is nothing that people can stamp out because this is a movement of God's Holy Spirit through his people. Nothing can stamp out that fire. And here's a little bit of a spoiler alert. That guy Saul that we just read about, that guy that's going house to house to house, dragging people out and throwing them to prison, He may or may not make a cameo appearance a little bit later in this story. But the movement continues. Acts chapter 11, 21. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Acts 11, 24. He was a good man, talking about Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit. And a great number of people, we're brought to the Lord. Acts 12, 24. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. And I'm not even reading every text from Acts that talks about this. But you see this movement. It's magnetic. It's pulling people in because they see something in there that I want to be a part of that. There's something going on there beyond the normal. I want to be a part of that. It's magnetic and it's expansive. It's growing. And then the beginning of Acts 13. I just love this. Starting in verse two. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, which tells me that this is a group of people filled with the Holy Spirit. They are listening to the Holy Spirit. They wanna know anything that he is saying to them. God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? They are filled with his Spirit The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. What happened? Saul. What happened just a few chapters earlier, just a few pages earlier? He was the one that was dragging people out of their houses and throwing them in prison, persecuting the church. And now he's the guy not only that is around the soccer ball, he's leading the charge with the soccer ball in this movement. What is going on? It's a movement of God's spirit. And this is what I take from that, friends. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life right now. You might even be in your heart, be someone that is opposing the things of God, opposing Christianity. I I don't know. But what I know is that everyone's invited to be a part of this movement. Nobody is gonna be left out. If God can take the apostle Paul and transform his life and use him for his kingdom purposes in the way that he did, friends, he could use me. He can use you. None of us has to sit the bench. Everyone can be a part of this game that God is calling us to be a part of. It's magnetic and it's expansive. Acts chapter 13, 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Acts 14, 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue and there they spoke effectively so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. This tiny little Jewish sect, it's going outside of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's heading to the ends of the earth. Outside the Jewish context to the Gentile world, the Gentiles are being invited in as well. Acts nineteen twenty. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. I think you get my point you get where I'm going with this. This is a movement of God that grew and grew and grew because it was magnetic. It pulled people in. They wanted to be a part of it, but it was expansive because God cares about everyone. He wants it to go to the ends of the earth. It's not just for me and you. The last verse of the whole book, we find Saul, now called Paul. He's under house arrest in Rome. The gospel's gone from Jerusalem and now Paul finds himself right in the heart of the Roman Empire. And what do you think Paul's doing under house arrest? You got it. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance from the beginning of the book of Acts to the end of the book of Acts. We just kind of tipped across the the highlights of it, but it's God's movement of his spirit throughout history that we get invited to be a part of. And I was just thinking about this this week, and I, I couldn't have timed this if I wanted to, but if you're reading the Journey Church reading plan, where are we at right now in the New Testament? We're right at the end of the book of Acts. We're right here this week. This is where we're at. As I was reading through to the end of Acts 28, I just want to take a little snapshot here of my Bible. There was something that I wanted you to see because we could think this is the end of the story, right? This is the end of the Acts of the Apostles, the end of the Acts of the Holy Spirit, right? Not at all. The story continues. The story continues because the movement of the Holy Spirit continues. It is still going on today. In my life, in your life, in the life of our church, there's a continuing story. And that's why I wrote in my Bible, you can see it there right at the end in the white spot. Acts 29 dot dot dot. Acts 29 dot dot dot. It's because the story continues the story of the Holy Spirit working in and through his people, the story continues. And here's what I believe to be true is that every one of us in this room, we have a dot. We have a dot, we've got one life, we've got one shot, one opportunity to join with God in what he's doing in the world. And there's one question that I think we've got to ask ourselves, What are we going to do with our dot? What are you going to do with your dot? Because I'm convinced of this. The Holy Spirit's not tired. He's not worn out. That same Holy Spirit that caused a movement of him that changed the world still changes the world today. And I believe that God is standing in front of Journey Church and just saying, will you be a part of it? Will you join me in what I'm doing in the world? Because here's what happened. There were these handful of disciples, a few people who were so transformed by the radical love of Jesus in their life that they had to turn around and they had to pour that radical love into the lives of others. They had to take that radical love and they had to put it into action into the world around them. That's what his followers did. And friends, that's the invitation that we have as well. What is our next step? To invest our dot, to put the radical love of Jesus into action in this world around us. And that phrase that I've just been saying there, that radical love in action, get used to it. Because we're gonna be saying that a lot around here Because we believe in this next season of our church, this is what God is calling us to do and to be as his church in the Gallatin Valley and beyond. This is our mission statement. I'm just going to read it to you. We lead people to radical love in action like Jesus. We lead people. Meaning that we believe that there is a destination that God has for us that we are not at today. We're here. We need to get there. And we're going to lead people toward that, toward what God is inviting us to. But this is what he's inviting us to, to radical love in action. If we know him, if we've been transformed by his goodness in our lives, he asks us to turn around and invest that into the lives of people around us. Taking that radical love, putting it in action around us. Take note of that word action. Journey, we've got to be about action. Talk is cheap. We've got to be about what does it look like for us to display the love of Jesus in our lives and declare the good news of Jesus with our lips. We need to put it into action. Because that's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God, it's not just about talk. It is about power. It is about God's power being poured out in our lives Radical love in action. And I just want to tell you, Journey, what is it that we're trying to build here? And I want to tell you what we're trying to build by telling you what we're not trying to build. We are not trying to build a cruise ship. This is not to be a cruise ship. Because what is true of the goal of a tr- cruise ship? A goal of a cruise ship is that everyone would be cozy and comfortable Everyone would be able to come in and have an all-you-can-eat spiritual buffet. Everybody gets what they need. Something for everyone. Child care services, business networking. Our staff and our volunteers around here, we're here to fluff your pillow. To make life easy for you. So that you can have what you want, when you want it, and the way you want it, and out on time when you want it. But the problem with a cruise ship is that the focus of a cruise ship is just on the people that are in the cruise ship. And that is not the mission of God. He has a way bigger picture for this. And we can't just be sitting here, well, we've got to do that. Because they they, they might not like this cruise ship and they'll go to another cruise ship down the street instead of ours. Friends, that's okay. Because we are not going to build a cruise ship. You know what we are going to build? We're going to build an aircraft carrier aircraft carrier, friends, it's a big boat, just like a cruise ship. You can put as many people on an aircraft carrier as you can on a cruise ship, maybe even more. But there's a difference in the mission between a cruise ship and an aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier, their mission is to prepare people for the mission. That's why we're here. That's why we give of our time of this. We want to prepare people for the mission. We want to train, equip We want to refuel. We want to motivate. We want to cast vision. But friends, we want to be sent from this place. We want to be able to turn around as many planes as possible and send them out. Send them out out of this place to take the radical love of Jesus and put it into action everywhere where they're going in life. Friends, it's about sending. 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 Are we going to be a sent people? that are on mission with what God is doing in the world. Because friends, that is exactly what Jesus did. In John chapter 20, this is some of his closing words to his disciples. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Sending, sending, sending. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He clothed them with power. The power to be sent. That's what it's about. That's why we've been talking about this throughout this series. Because there's a transformation God wants to do in you, but it's not just for you. Because he wants to use you to bring that transformation to the world around you. It's the Holy Spirit that is going to empower us to lead people to radical love and action just like Jesus did it's a movement it's a movement acts 29 dot 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 the question that we've got to ask and we've got to keep asking it is what are what are we going to do with our dot what are we going to do when the ball comes to us we're going to follow him What are we going to do with our dot? I want that to be something that we reflect on today as we take communion together. And that's what we're going to do right now. But as you take communion, we're reminded of what Jesus did for us. Reminded of his death on the cross for us. His body broken for us and his blood shed for us. But as you remember his radical love poured out for you, would you at least ask the question of him? What would you want me to do, Jesus, to pour your radical love into the life of another person? Would you do that as we celebrate communion together? Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.